This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Welcome to a Joy podcast from LGBTQIA plus community radio station, Joy 94.9. For more information and tons of other podcasts, head to joy.org.au. You're on Joy Drive with Dee and Warren. <laughs> Into the room walks the very, very lovely Richard Foster. Hey, Richard. Hey, Richard. Hey, Dee. Hey, Warren. Richard, Dee. what's happening on the world stage that we need to know about? Well, you know, all eyes were on New Zealand over the weekend with, uh, with Labor being returned to office. Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern pulling in 49% of the vote over wow. there, first for Labor, um, giving it a majority in the parliament uh, for the first time. 64 out of 120 seats in the New Zealand parliament, now going to Labor, just 35 to the nationals in opposition. Now so she a remarkable ha- result. She had to work in coalition with the nationals. No, the, the New- Greens. It was the Greens. It yeah, was the, the Greens. Interestingly, the um, the Greens' vote didn't actually change uh, all that much this time round as a percentage of the vote. Should point out their voting system is entirely different to Australia's, so it's not altogether comparable. Mm. Uh, they have a, a proportion of representation system which we don't. But uh, and I'm not going to bore you with that. But they did pick up an extra no, couple of seats. Or us with something uh, else. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> sorry, <laughs> I don't think I heard that. Richard, can I ask you? Are coalitions in New Zealand a little bit more palatable? Like, do we only form them here? because we need them to form government. Over there, is it more common practice or do they only do it if they need them? I, I think by and large, Warren, they're pretty similar to us. Right. I mean, it, to, be, to be fair, it's one side of politics in Australia that has uh, routinely formed a coalition. Mm. That's, that's um, being uh, the Liberals and the Nationals over here do it. Labor hasn't yet formally done it. There was an alliance of sorts with the Greens uh, back in the Gillard era, mm. but it wasn't well, a formal coalition. Well, that is dead coalition. in the water, I'm sure. Well, it's um, it's interesting looking at the way that New Zealand uh, has done it in the past because they, they do it fairly pragmatically, I guess, in the same way that the Liberal Party do over here. So uh, Jacinda Ardern did do that in uh, 2017 with the Greens. With the majority this time, I think you can uh, say the deal's off. Yeah, and I don't think she needs Green. I mean, I don't know her policies inside out, but I don't think her she needs Greens to get a Green platform. I think she operates on a Green platform anyway. So that, that coalition was less about buying in the Green vote and more about having the numbers. Yeah, far more about pragmatism. I, I think you're quite right. So Winston um, Peters is out, is that right? Is he yeah, retiring? Yes, poor old Winston, yeah. A bit of a colourful character in New Zealand, Winston Peters. He, he was um, Jacinda Ardern's Deputy PM, which mm. I know sort of raises a few eyebrows. This uh, this was all done because routinely through Winston's career, he has put himself in a very effective position, well, for him anyway, of being the kingmaker in each government. Mm. And in the 90s, that worked with him reinstalling national governments. And then that kind of changed in the early 2000s, or from 1999 on, when he started giving his numbers to Labor. Really, I, I mean, you, most New Zealanders look at that and say, well, yeah, that's because Winston gets the best deal from each side and then backs the best deal. Mm. And this is why this guy has actually managed to hold all the best possible positions in the parliament since he was elected some for the first time some 36 years ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's been deputy PM twice. He's been foreign minister twice. <laughs> he's been treasurer twice. He's had every job you'd want except PM. And most notably, he's never had to be opposition leader, which is the very job you don't want. Has he had a tilt at being PM? Did he, he never ran? 
No. Uh, well, his party has only ever held one seat in the mm. parliament, and that was his. Mm. So he's, he's not, he hasn't had a strong go, really, at being PM himself. They call him un- Uncle Winston, so he's obviously very mm. well-loved uh, nationally. Well, by some, uh, you know, it depends what side of politics you sit mm. on. He's, um, he's most remembered, I think, for some, uh, some fairly hardline views on immigration. But migration wasn't something he was uh, particularly fond of. Was it as such a big news in New Zealand over the weekend, the fact that they opened up their travel bubble and then it splattered itself all over Melbourne? Mm. That bubble bursting was probably not such big news in New Zealand given that they had the election, but the fact that they let 14... I guess Australian citizens out, they flew via Sydney and landed themselves in Melbourne with Victoria unawares that they were coming and unawares what to do with them. Yeah, uh, it depends what way you see that too. I don't think New Zealanders, I think you're right, New Zealanders won't be that interested in it, but it's, I mean, there's some Australians that aren't all that interested in it either. Mm. Uh, Effectively, Victoria's borders are not closed. There was nothing to stop them entering Victoria. There's certainly a view that it would have been appropriate for the federal government to be giving notice of this sort of thing to the Victorian government and allow appropriate plans to be in place and so on. But no one's actually essentially strictly speaking, done anything wrong here. The New Zealanders had every right to fly to Melbourne and that's what they did. Yes, we've got to... We can't leave the state only because we've got nowhere to go, not because our state borders are closed. (laughs) So presumably people can come in the other way. Not like The sides of other borders are closed, yes. It's like one of those things like, if you want to go there, have at it. Nobody else does. (laughs) So (laughs) why would you? As as long as you don't want to go anywhere else (laughs) anytime soon, then yeah, that's As long as that's your final destination, have at it. Now, um... Were you huddled around the wireless on Sunday waiting for the announcement from Dan? I, I think like most of, most of Melbourne I was, if not most of Victoria, yes, absolutely. I don't know that I was overly surprised, though. I mean, mo- most of the expectations had been under con- uh, seeping out through controlled leaks over the course of the week anyway. Seeing the uh, travel restriction move up to 25 kilometres, I think, was a nicely placed little get, uh, given that most people were expecting maybe 10. Uh, we, got, we got 25. So, sure, you know, that, that's something. But I know that there's a good percentage of uh, the population sitting out there going, yeah, it's, it's still not enough. We, we need to have businesses open. We need to be trading. And I know that the frustration seems eternal at the moment. And Josh Frydenberg's not happy either. He does, he's oh, born Josh, unhappy. No, well, a, a little entertaining sideshow from Daniel Andrews sort of you know, slapping, uh, slapping these comments straight <laughs> back to Canberra. I think that's only going to get more interesting. What we heard from uh, Daniel Andrews yesterday, I think, is to, to be taken at his word, and that was he's going to start calling it out. Uh, mm. Basically, that means uh, I think most would agree he's been pretty tolerant of swipes from Canberra, yeah. tolerant insofar as he tends to just ignore them as something really quite unimportant to him. Mm. I think those days are over. I think he's now going to, um, going to take them on full frontal. I think he makes a good point that it's all right to take constructive criticism, and I know he has to sort of bear a lot of what comes out of Canberra because we still need the money from Canberra for Victorians. But when it becomes political like that, like, Frydenberg's not offering a solution. He's just saying that's wrong. So I think that he, he really needs to be more constructive. Or, or, and also, why is Canberra commenting on this if they're not happy to, if they weren't there to help at the start? 
You're seeing the same sort of thing in Queensland too, so it does give does give weight to the argument that it's driven more by politics than than anything actually useful. Mm. Uh, we saw Scott Morrison last week uh, touring around Queensland supporting his um, opposition counterpart up there with the state election around the corner. So, yes, it does give weight to the argument that these sorts of comments are certainly driven by politics and nothing that's overly useful for the conversation. Just quickly, and in, and in closing, ACT returned its Labor government... Again, is that that's the sixth? Yeah. Is it the sixth Labor government term consecutively? Is that a record in Australia? Or oh, you've been counting, haven't you? <laughs> Six on the trot. Twenty-six years they will be in power yep. this term. So twenty-two so far. By the by, the time it's over, twenty-six years down. It's pretty remarkable. Yeah. Is it the longest? Well, I, I, I'm going to throw the question back to you before I answer it. Any mm. guesses? You know, do, what money would you put on it? Is it the longest or not? I would say South Australia in the seventies held. I don't think Victoria's had a Labor government. We've had a bit of cane was long, but no, I don't think so. I'm going to say it is the longest. Okay, Warren, you got you got a yeah, bet on this? Yeah, I'm going to say it's the longest too. Oh, okay. Well, if you're saying it's the longest, We're wrong. Um, yeah, no, you're both right. Oh, there we go. <laughs> it, absolutely, it, it beats the post-war uh, federal Liberal governments. They ran for 23 years. Mm. I knew that the Liberals had had big long runs nationally, but I was thinking in terms of states, has anybody held? Yeah, no, point? I'm thinking states as well. Don't worry. Oh, sorry. Look, there's. I, I say you're right, and it's 26, and you know it, it would be the longest. There's two that come close to equaling them. Okay, so there's, there was a South Australian government that mm. almost made 27 years. Yep. That was back in uh, from 38 to 65. Oh. So, you know, we're going back a fair way yep. here. The early um, uh, CLP governments in the Northern Territory as well also came dangerously close to 27 years from 74 to 2001. So there, there, is, there is precedent here, but, um, but only in South Australia and the Northern Territory, yeah. Richard, I was reading uh, that greater than 70% of the vote were, ca- were cast before polling mm. day. So, I mean, that would indicate that it's, that, you know, it's pretty settled, isn't it? It's not like it's changed. People uh, well, have I made their minds this, up early. In this scenario, yeah, there was, there was no overwhelming case for change, mm. um, unlike we're seeing in other parts of the world. It's interesting, though, that those percentages are actually pretty close to what happened in New Zealand as well. Yeah. So also, just on that, and I'm not sure what the situation was in Canberra, but why we had to endure a week worth of media about, Jacinda Ardern being a one-trick pony and a one-hit wonder and she's absolutely can't hold on when they must the media must have known that it was going to be such a groundswell of support it's extraordinary yeah, it is a bit. I mean, the, the polling sort of told you that everything was... I mean, I know we don't always rely on polls these days, but to be honest, in Australia and New Zealand, you know, the, the votes are generally so close that you can't say the polls are overwhelmingly wrong if they are wrong at all, you know, mm, because yeah. we're really only talking about a 1% or 2% shift here. It's, it's not like the states where, you know, again, it's a very, it's a very different construct. In terms of the media, perhaps, look, here's, here's a great quote I found from Winston Peters. Uh, this, is, this is how he once described what he calls big city media commentators. So, look, sorry, I guess he's actually describing me, but here we go. It, it goes like this. They're smart aleck, arrogant, quiche-eating, chardonnay-drinking, pinky-finger-pointing, <laughs> snobbery, fart-blossom. Uh, fart blossom. That sounds like there. you. <laughs> yeah, it's me all over, isn't fart it? Fart blossom. Um, there's one for your podcast, mate. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll get it right on there. Hey, just before you kick me off, I'm yep. just going to say, Dave and Warren, for political nerds who loved the uh, the West Wing series in the early 2000s, it's been uh, reenacted. It's back for oh, a very wow. short time, though. Very short time. What are they doing? A the, special for the election? 
Well, kind of, yeah. It's um, it's actually a special to promote a movement in the in the US called uh, When We All Vote. It's actually a non-profit organisation set up to promote electoral participation in the states. It's actually founded by Michelle Obama, so of course it's right. non-partisan and all. The episode of the reenactment um, that they did, it's actually a televised stage play really more than actual episode, but it, look, it views very much like an episode with the original cast. It was out of the third series um, and it's called Hartsford Landing. Um, Curiously, the episode is about the escalating potential of a war with China over tensions about Taiwan. So it's it's kind of timely. It's there you go. <laughs> spookily timely. Mm. Isn't um, it so? Isn't now, it so? If, if, you, if you don't go to the US frequently, and I don't think anybody is at the moment, it's going to be hard to get. Get yourself a VPN and you can get it on HBO Max. I will. Max I'm going to go have a look, of it. course. Thanks so much, Richard. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast, brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community radio station, Joy 94.9. For more podcasts or to support Joy by becoming a member, donating or subscribing, Head to joy.org.au. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.